0: How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. I'm doing great, Carl. How are um, you doing? I'm 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 also I I am doing great mentally and emotionally. Physically, I am recovering. I just got over a flu or COVID or rsv or uh, the cold mm, or yeah. i don't know whatever scary things that uh, the media is telling us that uh, we should be scared of that's what i i just got over it sucked <laughs> but i'm i'm okay uh, are you
1: better than that i don't know if i'm better than that you know it's always funny when you get asked that question how you doing and it just I almost default to great and i probably wouldn't maybe not great i'm doing all right but you know i think it's uh I find myself defaulting there, so mm-hmm. I don't think I'm better than, I think I'm better than that because I'm not physically sick, so, um, you know, mm-hmm. count my stars. Um, I'm feeling uh, healthy, so life's good, man. Yeah.
0: I mean, who's doing great? Do you know anybody who's doing great that you're like, No, they're oh, lying. Man. Yeah. Seriously, tell me, do you know anybody?
1: It's It's one of those things where you get caught up on, is everyone else doing great and I'm not doing great? I'm not, should I be doing better? And then I had a, I had a family reunion over the weekend and it was cool because you see all your family members and, and you know, they just, things start to come out and you're like, yeah, you know, we're all, there's shit going on. We're all doing pretty good, but if I'm sure if if someone else met them on the street, like hey how you doing but great everyone everyone kind of has that great very few people give you like the holy shit you know you get in an elevator with someone and they're like let me tell you and then and then all of a sudden for me i'm like oh god wait what did i open here this is a can of worms And it's interesting how we don't really want to we want that but then we don't necessarily want it from a stranger Totally.
0: Okay. So we're already getting into it. This is, this is what I feel about this podcast. And this is what I wanted to uh, experience is having a conversation with you where we can navigate two different paths. One path is uh, the path of daily practice, uh, performance, rules to success, fucking methods Uh, you know whatever it may be that's the one path though like let's let's go and help everybody be successful and then i want to um navigate the reality path which is we are all just trying to figure it out and uh it's messy and complicated and we're just two dudes who are behind mics who really don't know nothing you know (laughs) we're just like pretending here uh, with everybody else. And I would like to weave those two things together. Are you, are you down with that? I'm down with it. I want to try to start with a question that may lead to the rules to success and then unveil the messiness and then maybe allow us to come back to something that is a takeaway from for everybody. Let's do it. Okay. So, so my question is, Nelson Quadras, what have you finished or completed in your life, what have you taken to completion that you not only feel proud of, but continues to be a benchmark in your life and at the same time uh, carries some valuable lessons, even if it's just one uh, that uh continues to be a cornerstone in your thinking and your behavior
1: where I'm currently at with my my career um because I wasn't sure where I was going for a long time and I'm 35 and most of my 20s were a lot of confusion and something happened around 30 31 and then 32 I think I started to understand something a little bit more about myself that I, I didn't stick to things. I, I like to jump around to ideas. And I think the excitement of those things and some personality traits and some tendencies would lead me to want to go something to something new and exciting. And then take it to a certain point, but never really finish. And the job that I was in and I'm, I'm currently in it, it, evolved, but it was really just like a contract role. And it was the one thing I never let go of and I stuck with and it was tumultuous. And I went through a lot of periods of not really having enough income to survive. It was like barely, you know, I'd get some help here and there. I I'd, I'd just have enough to pay rent. um, And, but I really believed in this thing and I had, Something inside of me told me to, like, just stick with this thing. And you're going to have to give up certain other opportunities to maintain this thing in this contract role especially. And it worked out. And I don't know if that was a fluke. You know, and it just, like, happened to work out. And I got lucky. And I think there is certainly luck there. But it was something that I continued to see through. And it evolved into... Um, teaching and doing that with personal training clients and it's it's the one thing I've really seen through in my life that has continued to evolve and to expand my life and open doors that I would have never thought of Mm -hmm. and what is that thing Uh, that would be sticking with the coaching role that I'm at and are you allowed to talk about the company or no yeah, I can talk about it. I think um, maybe loosely, but um, essentially what we do is uh, like B2B workplace safety training. And so I was a contract coach for a long time. So I would go host seminars. And the first time I ever did a seminar was through our mutual connection, Chris. Um, and you had done some of this before with him. The reason Chris, the reason yeah.
0: Chris uh, got the call was because I got a call from the co-founder, and said hey can you go to south america to teach these things and i said i can but right now i i i am not capable but i know this guy chris he speaks spanish and he has actually toured south america with me uh contact him so i put them in in touch and then you guys came together i'm like whoa this is pretty amazing
1: yeah it's it's incredible to think of my meeting chris and then meeting you through that and then getting this job at uh, WorkLeet and um, just how it it expanded my life to see see a part of myself come out that I kind of, I felt like it was in there and I didn't know until I was thrown into the fire of like hosting a seminar and I'd maybe helped friends and family, you know, with a few physical things like, you know, hey, here's how to squat. Here's how to do, you know, some basic exercise but it was never like a serious thing that I did as work and I was always behind a desk doing like trying to force myself into a development role a um, web development role and uh, I remember yeah and it was and I would take shots at it and I would help people that I knew with it and I I just I did it and it wasn't the thing I needed to be doing Um, and I think a lot of people struggle with that and uh it really ate me up inside it was like a lot of depression trying to figure that thing out and um getting this role through chris uh getting an opportunity and through Workley was just like a game changer in my life i realized oh my god this is this is something where i feel valuable i feel useful i feel like i'm helping others and it's very clear that I have a knack for this. And if I build on this, who knows what can happen. Mm -hmm. And, um, and now it's evolved into a more, uh, um, like leading a, like kind of a division of it, like the training side. And so having to find contract coaches and, um, getting on calls with clients, you know, like customer success, like seeing a lot of different roles and, uh, I think that's one thing from sticking with it that I've been able to see a lot of flaws in myself and things that I know can be better like organization. Like I'm not, I always thought like, Oh, this is, that's just not who I am. Like I'm just not an organized person. And then seeing some people within the organization that inspire me and like, Oh, this guy's really organized. How does he do it? And I would ask him, you know, like it's great working at a smaller company. Cause you get to have these one-on-ones and I'm like, Hey, I I know I need help being organized. I'm just terrible at this. And then getting some help and and learning, Oh yeah, this person's not, they don't find themselves to be like an incredibly organized person as well. But to me, it's very clear they are. And I was like, okay, well, that means that I can probably learn these skills Mm -hmm. Uh, because I think work is so much of what we do. And if, for me, if I don't like my work, it really impacts all the other pieces of my life. And so I know there's some people who can kind of compartmentalize that, but I, I just can't. And finding work that is uh, satisfying and and although it diff- has its difficulties, that brings like some pe- like working with great people and being able to work on a mission that you believe in. I I, d- I know not everyone gets that opportunity, and I feel very grateful for it. And it's I, I can't believe that if it's it's like happening mm-hmm. like now that I'm speaking about it.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. And um, this is just my take on it. But I think a character trait of somebody who is connected to their bodies and to their feelings and to their thoughts uh, has a very hard time compartmentalizing something like uh, doing work, meaning uh, trying to be productive. And the reason is because I think being productive is a byproduct of being something that expresses something, okay? And this sounds very esoteric, but it's kind of like if um, if you take a job uh, doing something that you highly dislike, but it, it pays the bills, for example, you're going to have to um, fit that mechanism into uh, making sense in your head so that you can do all these other things otherwise you are incapable of doing that job and uh for some of us those two ends are like way further apart and they're almost like impossible to bring together and i include myself in that and i think it's uh also part of the creative nature like you are a creative person uh i think that's why you can sing that's why you have cooking abilities that's why you have the uh knack for speaking and uh writing and expressing yourself in, in ways that most people wish they could even tap into uh that you need to be aligned so to speak with your work and i don't know anything about workly i don't know anything about your day to day but if uh we just saw it on paper um 10 years ago, 15 years ago, and you're like, yeah, this is your future. You're going to be working at Workly. You're going to be doing some, you know, admin and then hiring and team development, and then you'll do some teaching. And uh, yeah, that's going to be your job. I don't know about you, but my sense is that you would be like, oh, I I, I don't know if that's the dream. Is that the dream? You know? Yeah. Is that, is, is that fair to even say? Uh, and it's not a like a, a diss on the job. Sure but I think sometimes we confuse reality with what we imagined our reality would be. And I think that can also be a problem.
1: Yeah. If I looked at this as a, as a job, you know, a descriptor for a job that I was applying for on LinkedIn or something like that Mm -hmm. 10 years ago, I would say, Oh my God, that's, that's like, is that my life like corporate existence? Oh God and it's funny when you're in it and there's certain factors that make it a different thing than what it is but when you i think i've had a very unique situation too where i've known a lot of the people that i've worked with the company's grown it's merged it's become another thing now but it still has its core and and i've been lucky to work with some of these team members that make it feel a little bit not so the description of the job but and there's certainly things that you know like you don't want to do them but you do them because someone's got to do them and you're the one to do them
0: yeah like i and... hate editing podcasts or creating a description
1: but i can't right now <laughs> i have yeah. to do it so right. i'll do it yeah and that's the funny thing about actually doing something and sticking with it and seeing it through is you don't you have an idea of how things will be or might turn out and I think of a lot of it's really just rooted in the fear of the unknown. And the fear of, uh, For I can say for myself, it was, oh, man, am I going to be stuck behind a desk all the time because I did that already. As this web developer, very base level web developer and. And to me, it became like a prison. I was like, wow, I'm in these four walls. I'm working this remote life. I'm doing technology. Like everyone says, it's such a like great thing. I'm living the dream of uh, a career where I can grow and I can be involved in technology. And, and it didn't feel like that. Um, so to then see something through and... Still even learn about these things, like you said, like editing your podcast, like going through the things that are not so fulfilling and being able to at least say, well, I have this idea where I would love all of my work to be play. Like the thing that comes to me like play and seems like work to others. There's certainly some facets of that. Like I know just a simple fact of, and you've done this before many times, is getting in front of a group and delivering a message is terrifying to many people. Getting on a call with clients. Like I had a call on, I think it was Thursday or Friday with one of our clients, like internally uh, with uh, one of our uh, customer success team and on some of our clients. And I know for, for some people, that's a terrifying prospect. Like the, the client has some things that they're not so happy about. They have some questions. And to me, it was, I enjoy it. I enjoy the challenge of, you know, how do I make sure that they're heard? And I maybe change their position or make them feel like we're moving in the same direction. Um, That to me is exciting. I know some people are terrified of that. So there's certainly ways that I would love my work to be all that all the time. And I think there's also a maturity that comes from realizing, okay, it's not going to be all that all the time. How am I going to deal with the moments that are not that all the time? If my work becomes too much of those things that are not play to me and are work, then maybe I should reassess. I should think about the direction of where things are going, I should think about what this means to me. And do I want to continue down this path? Before I would have jumped ship too early. And I think maturity has and wisdom and experience has brought me and like listening to great people who've done before, like yourself and and others, is that you like this um, self-awareness is really important and Things can get tough and you have to stick through some tough things if you know and understand that there is a lot of upside to what you're doing. It's like an investor wants to have like low risk, high reward outcomes. I think in life, we we tend to seek those and at times you might play with that ratio and maybe go a little higher risk for a higher reward. But I think in the day to day, especially with most jobs that people have um you gotta you have to find something that feels like play to you and is work to most other people but realize that that's not going to be like that all the time probably Mm -hmm. at least in my experience that's what i found and i think that's a i get selfish and i think i want it all the time and i know because we talked about this on my podcast like the the high of going out on a seminar and you crush it and it's like man it's like the people love it you hear the testimonials and you're like, Oh, I want that feeling all of the time. And it's like a drug, you get mm-hmm. addicted to it. And then when you go back to the desk and you're doing like, you know, editing your podcast, doing the things that you don't want to do, whatever they might be. It's like, Oh, it's not as it's not as, you know, wasn't a big hit. Yeah. So um, yeah, I think experience has taught me that. Uh, and I don't know if I veered off with a no, experience yeah on point, yeah experience has taught me that um looking for mostly this this playful type of work and um and people who also enjoy and appreciate that and realize like oh we're still we're still living this life, and um I think you need a bit of that i don't know if it's a balance, but um yeah i, I
0: lost I lost tracks, so I'll stop there let's get to some points let, let, let's let like dive into some topics uh and and let's just let it rip right now what what you encounter you live in miami right mm-hmm. yeah what do you encounter uh, uh on a weekly basis that you're you're just kind of like ah that shit just like for wh- whatever reason, it just keeps kind of rubbing me the wrong way, or bothers me a little bit, and you feel some sort of way about it. Is there anything like that for you?
1: You know what? So okay, so I drive a Tesla, and I'm sure it's going to bother some people. It really going to love it. off. So, yeah, <laughs> I drive a Tesla, and it's funny how people have an opinion on on like the person who founded the company that the car you're driving. They're like, oh, this this fucking guy, and um. And then I'm I'm interested, to, I'm like, why, why do we, it's weird how we always have a, like, we're so quick to make an opinion and to voice it on something going on politically. And I just don't know if we have enough information ever on any of these things to be so, like, stick in the ground, like, you know, to put cement around the thing and to be like, this is where I'm standing. And it's funny how we... And I get it; like I've done it too, and I think it's funny how we were so quick to let others know this is where we stand, yet we we certainly don't have enough information. And I'm not speaking to any of uh, any of like specifically to these ideas and topics. I don't really know. I don't know anything about like. I know very little about what's going. Get on.
0: into it. Come on, just tell me what, what you're what you're thinking. Tell me. So you drive a Tesla. What do people say? What do people assume oh, well, if you drive a um, Tesla?
1: Oh, it's like uh, this was like because um, this person was thinking of getting like an electric car. You know, they're like, oh, I can never buy, I can never get one of those. Because, but they really like the color of. Wh- the why? Car. Why can't they get one? Because it's they're too like, expensive, they, or they can't get one because uh, Elon is saying something about um, that he did something. With Ukraine, I don't know what the hell. I don't. Know. I looked yeah, it up. Yeah, turn, like, they turned off the satellites supposedly,
0: and, uh, satellite. and uh, allowed uh, Russian to, Russia to have uh, an advantage. Uh,
1: yeah, right. And it was something about with, um, and he he was quoted as saying he didn't want to aid to a, a an act of war or something like that. And, and does
0: this, does this person have an
1: iPhone? This person has an iPhone. Oh, this so has... yeah,
0: they do support maybe somebody like Steve Jobs, who also berated, you know, people and like was <laughs> terrible. And then uh, manufacturers in in China and all these things, yeah, right? The it's like, and then and we have, that. yeah, and then we have a, a slavery to to get the cobalt
1: needed for to make the batteries. Like we're all very
0: hypocritical, but I love this. Um, and
1: and so I and it's funny because I I just Googled. Okay, what's going on with Elon, Ukraine, and what happened? I was like, okay, he turned off Starlink, and then he was quoted as saying he doesn't want to be involved with a act of war, whatever. And I'm and I just on the surface, I read and I was like, well, you know what? If it was me, I that's a kind of understandable. Like, I don't think I'd want to be involved in anything war. Like, it's like for my brand to be, oh, because I turned this thing on or off, whatever. Like. It helps someone in war. It's like that's kind of. I'd probably want to be distanced from that entirely. That's not my. That's not what I do. And um, and so it makes it's interesting how we just like man, we're we're living in a time where there's so you. I can't avoid. And this is with like family. I can't. You can't avoid conversations around all this political stuff, and we just don't have and we're so like, right, you know, it's like, Oh, I'm right in my ideas. And it's like, where did you get these ideas? Like mm-hmm. some one media outlet that is going to cater to one group of people is telling you this thing. And then the other one's telling you this thing. And there's certainly truths and there's certainly things that are real. I, I just find it fascinating how, cause I don't like to do it. I don't like to talk about this stuff rarely ever, because I don't feel like that's a place where I understand well enough based on the information that I'm given. Um, and I meet very few people who also are well versed enough or educated enough and there's certainly people who are and this is what they do for a living or they're much more well researched i don't meet many i don 't think most people are like that and and it's very interesting how we really go for it in these topics mm-hmm. and we're like very quick to tell someone exactly how we feel and what we would do and not really realizing like it was interesting like I don't take offense to it, but I can certainly see why someone would be like, or what are you saying about me and buying this car? What does that mean about me? Like, does Mm -hmm. that mean, because I don't think about it as like, I don't think of it as like, I'm supporting someone who's crazy. I'm like, I understand the person who, who created this company that makes these cars is probably going to be a little crazy because, you know, who do you meet who's a super high achiever to like the extremes of society? And is normal, <laughs> you know. It's like those typically aren't balanced people. They're mm-hmm. typically the people who are not sleeping much, very hyper focused on what they do, and so there's probably a set of characteristics that might come with that person that you might they might not be the person for you to look up so look up to socially. But hey, they might be a, like they might be a hell of an engineer. Mm-hmm. But you know, maybe you don't look to them to be the person to like your kids are gonna learn about morals or something but it's interesting and then maybe that goes to my bigger points like it's interesting how we put a lot of public figures on a pedestal and we uh pedestal and we expect them to do all of the things Mm -hmm. we expect them to be like gods like they are all seeing all being they're they're righteous they do everything they should do everything okay and it's like these are just people Mm -hmm. and and they tend to be people at the extremes of humanity on the scale And so um, I don't know. I don't know where I went with that, but. You went to a place where I think we we all
0: know nothing, but yet we walk around thinking we know something and whether we have deliberately done it or unconsciously done it, we have allowed ourselves to be educated, to see the world in a certain way. And when we see the world in a certain way, uh, we walk around projecting our reality onto things. And then uh, we are also recipients of those projections. And if there's a crack in our armor or we happen to be in a vulnerable state, we're going to receive that projection and then uh, uh, either experience extreme dissonance, a moment of like, what is happening? Like, I I just can't compute or all of a sudden feeling like you have to change your ways. and changing your ways not because you chose to do it, but because you had an elevated feeling in that moment. Oh man, they judge me for driving a Tesla, and I'm supporting Elon Musk, who's this crazy man uh, who's going to destroy the planet and uh, is bringing racism back at, at this like insane rate. Um, I need to change. I need to sell my Tesla right now. <laughs> <laughs> like I need, you know, I need to walk uh everywhere and now i'm going to whatever suffer because i deserve it as i you know supported a uh, a war criminal or so, yeah, so, yeah. something crazy we're all just crazy people walking around we're we're just we're all nuts i feel like we're nuts makes I agree. sense of it <laughs> um man i have so many thoughts um can you separate
1: the art from the artist It's a, okay, 10 years ago, I would have said, you must always separate the art from the artist. And now, I'm not so sure, because they, it's like, they're like, it's like a thing that's inside, and it's the thing that makes them them, and, but I feel like an artist, and sometimes I think of the things that I want to create or come to my mind. And I'm like, man, if I put that out there, like you're going to think you lock me up, like there's, and it's, and it's a thing of wanting to create or wanting to see where something goes and what it, like what it evokes. And I still tend to think you, you, you separate like how many cultural things do we have that, like what we know as culture is really these artists who, if we looked into their personal lives, we'd be disgusted. And we hear more and more things about incredible people throughout history. And suddenly they're out and it's like, now we're going to cancel them posthumously and, um, and it's one of those things where i'm not sure if it's even possible to for future generations for like to have such a sanitized humanity that never does anything wrong that's always right that never missteps that can create great art is it even possible like we're meant to do this and we're we're going to mess up and it doesn't mean you advocate being an asshole or doing wrong things in an effort to create art. I just think so many of these things, so much great art comes from pain and comes from an upbringing of turmoil and abuse. And sadly, a lot of abused people become abusers and it's like a a perpetuating cycle and it's incredibly sad. And I'm not sure if you ever divorce these things and not speaking specifically to abuse, but just divorce the maladies of life, like all these bad things that occur from really great art. It seems to be pretty consistent and sure there's great artists who, you know, came from a great upbringing and everything's great. Like they have a pretty solid home life and there's always something somewhere but i don't sure if you ever i think that's just humanity that's part of who we are what we do um and to try to say that everything must be so perfect is is just like uh it's not reality Mm -hmm. it's like even like great families like it's funny like two sides of my family it's like one side's a, a whole lot crazier, but the other side's still crazy. Mm-hmm. It's just one side's a whole lot crazier. And I would consider both these families that I've been able to grow up in, like my mom and my dad's family, like the great, great families. I wouldn't ask for anything else. Yeah. Uh,
0: it To me, it's kind of like the nature of nature it's uh, destructive yet creative. I mean, pray, Mantis, uh, let's uh, reproduce and then I'll just eat you alive. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's it, you're doing the thing that is creative, but it, it comes with some like really destructive behavior, uh, or at least something that just our conscious minds, our ability to process these things and have like access to what we would call moral conduct. Uh, it mm-hmm. just makes it so confusing. And family is a great one. I mean, uh, Ramdas, um, who I've, I've read and listened to a lot. He he says, uh, if you think you're enlightened, go go see your family. Go visit your family. Yeah, you.
1: Yeah, I love that one. That one's...
0: Yeah, you'll you'll really realize. Anyways, I think what we're getting to is um, that life is messy, and uh, no matter what we think, uh, we know we really don't know, and. Uh, what's behind great things sometimes carries some terrible traits and behaviors, but this doesn't mean that they're not uh, something that we can learn from, uh, uh, repent on, and reconcile uh, and, uh, um, for the receiver to, to forgive. I mean, I think it comes down to uh, not intentionally trying to do harm. That's that's my sense, is that mm-hmm. if we can live in a way where we are not trying to cause harm, then we will have very successful lives. But we also have to be aware that even if we're not trying to deliberately cause harm, somebody is going to be harmed in the process of expressing ourselves, especially if we open ourselves up to be free to express. And if that's... The truth, if that's a a rule of life, to realize that when you cause harm, that you have um, an opportunity, a choice, the ability to rectify it in some way, and to also set the boundary as to when it's gone too far. And I think right now we live in a state... um, just globally where we're so connected, there's so much information that the the pendulum has swung so far that we have no clue what is too far. And it's 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 hard to gauge. And I'm hoping that our little, you know, conversation here, this like meeting of the little minds that we are <laughs> just in this like, you know, being a speck of dust in this universe. That that maybe there's a little bit of uh, mirroring that people listening are kind of like oh shit I'm glad they're kind of talking about this because I feel that way, uh, but where do I where do I land you know like where do I where do I find myself safe and secure? My question to you is, where does Nelson Quadras throughout a week a month feel like hmm? I can plant my feet here, and when I plant my feet here, I can be productive, I can feel alive, I can even be scared or feel sick and still be okay. Like, I feel like I'm here. Um, in what situations, what scenarios, like context, um, do you have anything? It's another one to take to my therapist.
1: Oh, shit. <laughs> uh, yeah, because, I, I mean, I, I don't really, that's a question I've been trying to answer for all my life i don't it's hard for me to find that that sense of like this is a good place right now and and it's like it's riddled me with like anxieties and uh, you know moments of depression and ever since i can remember i was like a kid and um there's certainly times with like my family when there's nothing there's no thinking about or with my family or with my girlfriend, her family, my friends. Um, it's like those moments where you're just not thinking about anything else. Um, a seminar, it's like when I'm in the flow, it's like when the, when the, all just feels like play and it feels like, oh, this is right. This is, this is how things should be. And, And but those moments feel like a flash and it feels like a lot of the other time is like trying to find that moment again and uh going back to the whole work thing it becomes a challenge because i'm trying to bring that with me to work and then all of a sudden it's like damn it it just the mind starts going and it does things to the body and then the body doesn't want to move and then it's like a it's like a vicious cycle um and yeah, it's one of those questions that I, it makes me think of how many other people are dealing with this same thing. And then what is really important work? Like, this is such important work to help, To like, so many people struggle with this. And we just, like, all kind of, like, there's people who silently suffer in that thing, just never kind of feeling like it's right or it's okay and maybe that's the nature of nature and that's the human condition for many and uh i think on these days with having so many external images being shot your way it's like social media or any video you watch it's like everything looks very good and nice and curated it's funny in miami here everything is like very aesthetic and there's beautiful things everywhere and people and, and, uh, it makes you think, am, am I missing something? Is everyone mm-hmm. else finding a sense of like, okayness that I'm not able to find and is, you know, it's like, am I supposed to be feeling this this often? And, uh, so it's really, yeah, times with friends and family and community, the things that you, we, we hear that are important. um, I've tried to have exercise be that thing for me or like tried to let it be the thing for me. And I've, I don't know if it's me or, but it's funny. Like, you know, you can watch the Huberman and like Huberman and any of these other people. And like, we all know, like, this is my space too. It's like being physical and all that. Like, yeah, it helped, but it's, it also like also doesn't bring me a lot, a sense of peace many times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, um, I think it, like the community stuff is really the being with friends, family, girlfriend, like those things are probably the times of most peace. And then being in the flow of a seminar. Those are like the things I know are just like, man, I, I feel, I feel at one hole. I feel this thing that I've felt, even when I've done like a, like a microdose of, uh, mushrooms, And it's like you, you, there's like this, uh, everything fades away. There is no more like silly worries. And you're like, oh, this is, is this how humans, this is how I'm supposed to be moving through the world. And like, and like the the connection piece comes quicker. I'm like, oh, it's interesting. This thing is a catalyst for connection and really do. Is it what we need? Is it just connection? Is that the thing that I'm missing greatly? So many are missing greatly and. A lot of time, especially I think of remote work and the interesting uh mental conditions that may come from this or mental challenges. Like I'm in a room and I'll be here alone. My girlfriend might pop in, have lunch, like she just did not too long ago. And then I have to get stuff done, I have the choice to like walk outside and that's that's a nice thing and not have someone like breathing down my neck or but there's also this isolation that occurs in a job, when you're working remotely, that um, to have that be a majority of your time, I don't know if Zoom calls cut it. Um, and I, I'm sure some of us need more than others. Uh, but there's certainly a sense to isolation where there's apparently more studies that are saying there's more isolation um, due to how like kids are interacting. And I've seen it with my own cousins how It's cool to see them at this family gathering we had over the weekend because they're all like the younger ones are like they're hanging out. You know, like no one's on their phones, which is really cool. Mm -hmm. But I remember one Christmas when the like a a set of our cousins were they're like in their early 20s now. And they were teenagers at the time and in high school and they all had cell phones. And this like Christmas get together that we would have. I always remember running around didn't have cell phones when I was growing up to do this. And they all have cell phones and they were all like hanging around the couch on their phones, not really talking, Mm -hmm. like maybe sharing something like, Oh, did you see this? Um, and then I was thinking, no, that's, I I don't know. I don't know if that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, that's, those are the moments where I've found with community, with people, with family, friends, that's where it feels right. I think a lot of people do have um,
0: meaningful connections with others where they feel like they can be fully themselves, but I think it's uh, not as many as um, we may think, right? And uh, something I, I just did like a little, not even deliberately, it just happened organically where I was like... Instagram seems dumb right now. I I don't want to post anything. If I'm just going to post, I'm going to post because I want more people to maybe listen to this podcast or buy my thing, you know, just give me the money type thing and (laughs) we'll be productive on back channels. Um, I'm like, Instagram is dumb. Social media is dumb. This is me just exaggerating okay, right now, but I'm like, I'm going to skip it for a while. And what's interesting is that as soon as you skip trying to project who you are into the world, um, the more you realize nobody's trying to reach out to you. Like nobody is trying to uh, connect with you. Maybe somebody is thinking about you, but far and few uh, in between uh, are like messages or whatever uh, that come through that are really meaningful. If anything, somebody wants something and they need a favor. <laughs> They're not like checking in on you. Yeah, yeah. Um, but something very interesting happens there is that all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait a second. This this reflexive behavior to try to find connection um, in the state of the world that we live in right now, where we have technology and all these things, it, it's just that. It's just a reflex. And you're like, what's the next thing? What's the next connection? But that connection never uh, grew any roots. It was just kind of like in passing. You just kind of like, it's something that's superficial. It's not something very meaningful necessarily. And uh, what I've noticed, and I've done this like several times where I've gone less active on social media or less active, like talking about myself. And all of a sudden I'm like, Ooh, I feel like reaching out to certain people. I feel like talking to certain people. And sometimes I ask myself like, why do I want to talk to this person? Oh man, this person either, uh, makes me feel safe. They allow me to be who I am and express myself um, without any conditions. Uh, They are not scared of challenging me if they disagree. Uh, They can call me on my bullshit. Uh, And when they do that, I never feel bad. I actually feel very encouraged. I feel very safe. I feel very secure. And um, it makes me want to celebrate these people. And and thankfully, I have... uh, a family my biological family is very much like that for me like my parents and my siblings they're they're amazing in that way and and they're the people i like to reach out to and each one has their own like category of course so yeah. i if i need something i go to my sister if i need something i go to my brother or my mom or whatever right uh, and i just think it's cool to become aware of those things and it comes from a place of just feeling secure and i think feeling secure in, in this moment uh, of time that we're currently experiencing, like true security, um, to me seems rare. And I know this sounds like very convoluted, but I think it comes down to where do we find security? Like where do we feel rooted and grounded and confident? And I, and I crave seeing more uh, confidence in the world. I even claim being more confident. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if you can relate to that because um, – and I, and I share this because like just on social media or you get behind a podcast and you hear speak, people speaking, you think, oh, wow, that person's really confident. No, that person is just projecting confidence mm. that they're not always yeah. truly confident.
1: Uh, I don't know. Does that resonate with you? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like there's never enough confidence. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm always like, that guy is so much more confident than I am. Fuck, how do I be like, how do I have that kind of confidence? Mm -hmm. How do I, and then I know someone's looking at me and saying, my God, this guy has so much confidence. How could he post something like that? How can he be so out there? How can he talk about his life so openly? And yeah, I I certainly, I certainly relate. There's Mm -hmm. a, yeah, there's the. I think there's there's so many ways that we're taught to be self reliant on everything we do. Like you're, you know, you you're gonna you need to figure it out on your own. Like you gotta like you gotta be the the one. And uh, yeah, it helps having. I get so much confidence from just talking to my parents, and I'm lucky that I have really supportive parents they listen and uh i can just talk to them about what's going on in my life because they want to know and that brings me confidence and they'll tell me things like you can do it you got it you know like they've never not and i'm so lucky to have that and uh you know props to people who can do it on their own all of it because i it's not possible for me so Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, having support is huge and uh, there's just never enough confidence,
0: right? Right. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think being able to bottle that confidence up is is something uh, powerful, and and everybody gets it from different places and um, expresses it in different ways. But I think nurturing confidence is 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 super cool. I mean, I talk about my grandson all the time, but this dude's fearless because he's naive. Uh, also, he doesn't know the consequences of his actions. Like, dude, you're gonna this is very dangerous right now. What's your plan, son? (laughs) What's your plan? Uh, But noticing, wait a second, this kid is curious about climbing up the furniture and is going to do it anyway. So if I'm not looking, it's going to be sketchy. But if I'm looking, uh, how can I encourage Mm -hmm. you to do this dangerous thing in a way where, one, uh, you do it safely or with minimal risk, and two, that you actually learn the consequences of failure here in a way that is just right. It's, it's going to hurt you or give you feedback just enough to, to help you make a better decision. Uh, and I don't think there's a right answer to that, but I think that's artistic in a way. Mm-hmm. It's, like, it's the art of parenting. It's the art of building resilient, confident kids, people, individuals. So it's like one thing the, the, on the, on the other side of confidence, there is being um, truly, it's, it's being truly productive, like producing something. I find myself uh, like, I have lists on lists on lists that I have to make on a weekly basis when I'm very creative that allows me to identify whether I'm being productive in my creativity or not, because if I'm not productive, and maybe this is just a personal trait uh, whatever it may be, if I'm not productive, I feel highly unfulfilled, and when I feel highly uh, unfulfilled, I feel very, um, I, I feel like I lack confidence. My mm-hmm. question to you: yeah. When does Nelson feel productive? Like when are you productive, and how do
1: you measure that? That's a great question. Uh, the so much of it is in professional life, uh, so if, and I like how we've become very organized and that's helped my organization because I didn't have this organization. And so having these goals to, to hit like every quarter, having goals to hit, um, making some like progress that is then recognized and that is seen as on like a weekly meeting, like, oh, okay. Hey, where's this at? Oh, this is moving forward. Okay, great. Hey, we saw what you did. Um, Like, this is a great addition. Uh, Getting on a call with a client and being able to find like common ground and see that they're having success or they're understanding something better or they're going to have something coming to them that will bring them more value and seeing that on a call that to me is like, okay, there's marks of productivity here. And uh, it's more than just like completing tasks because I don't feel necessarily productive when I'm just hitting the task down, like, you know, checking check marks. It ha- it goes like a little bit beyond that. There has mm-hmm. to be some sort of, this is, this is done. Therefore someone else can do this now. Otherwise, I just feel like I'm a robot and that doesn't feel productive. That feels something else. Mm-hmm. It, ha- it, ha- it almost has to know, I have to know there's an impact somewhere else along the chain. Like it moves something forward for someone else or maybe even for myself. Uh, but yeah, those are the th- I I think of productivity and like, A lot of it in work terms, though, like in work life, because if I if I tell myself, I'm going to go for a bike ride today, to me, it's like I don't want to be productive on my bike ride. I hate the idea of being productive on my bike ride. I hate that. I'm like, no, I want to go on a bike ride and just enjoy being alive and riding a bike because it's it's amazing we can ride a bike and it's like the coolest feeling ever or I want to go play tennis. Because I want to go play tennis, I don't want to be productive and say like, "Oh, I you know did it for an hour today, that's awesome. Like when well, my life becomes a lot of checklist and did it for this amount of time, it's done not productive. If it's that along with who was impacted, did they get some value out of it?" Okay, now I feel productive mm-hmm. I feel like yeah. the chains are something's moving here like we''re we're, we're moving forward. Totally. And uh, so now
0: we, we, we've been navigating very much the, the convoluted uh, ideas of life. And we've just kind of been uh, yeah, sharing whatever is coming up for us. Let, let's try to organize some things here for a little bit. So now let's let's go and organize. So a few topics that have come up are goals, like goal setting, having a destination, uh, focus, uh, organization, bringing something to completion uh, connection. And, uh, and I think there's, uh, before I, I tie this all up and, and, and we, we get to, uh, pontificating on, on how to be successful in these, in these manners, uh, in these matters. Um, uh, I was just thinking as you were sharing, like, if you're a cyclist, okay, you, you're somebody who bikes, you can be passionate about biking, meaning that you just like to get on your bike and ride. That's cool. I think when somebody is passionate about something, everything is, is effortless effort. But let's say you took your passion to a level where now it became a means to an end in terms of also helping create a lifestyle, not something that's only making you physically healthy, but creating uh, an exchange of value, where now your resource with either uh, bikes or uh, clothes or uh, money, you became a professional. Now, when you bike, the thing that creates that exchange is that now you have you become connected to an audience, to a group of people, to a community, and those people are investing time, money, energy in connecting with your biking. Uh, in a way that maybe allows for escapism or entertainment or whatever it may be, or they just want to be invested in your journey and that kind of defining your profession. But for you as somebody who's passionate about biking, that passion will only continue to carry over into your profession if you're able to access its vocation. And the vocation is the spillover where all of a sudden you're like, wait a second, if me, Getting on the bike is something that I'm passionate about and now also creates a mechanism for conversion, which is we could call a business, which now I'm, I'm in, pro, in profession, basically. I'm a professional within this space. I can only continue to do this if I know that it goes beyond, if the impact is greater than just my mechanical action of riding the bike. And that being maybe something that inspires others to do the same maybe uh influences um uh let's say mortality or uh it, it, it reverses child obesity something like that and also you have this metric that that makes it something bigger than riding the bike itself and even bigger than that which you love uh, i think that's when as humans we become you know as close as possible to Uh, whole, fulfilled, or whatever it may be. And I don't know if when I share this, if this is something that you can relate to. But I believe that there's there's certain things that when we focus on them, uh, methods, practices, ideas, uh, that allow us to move closer to it, uh, to that fulfillment, and uh i would like to explore that now in this next part of the the podcast so yeah. it, 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 did that resonate with you do i sound completely
1: crazy i love how you organize these things i've always admired your ability to take like in structure take these things that i float around in my mind and i see them in my life and i think of how do i want to do something that feels like a passion or um i think once you you know it's funny i have a notebook where you when we were in uh, san francisco where you drew out icky guy you drew it and i have it i still have the notebook i wish i would have found it for this but um it's in there and it's like you drew like i think i don't know how many circles and then like the intersection of all these things I think you talked about vocation. So I love how you always have, you've been talking about these things and like crafting them over time. I think it's really cool. Mm. And when it comes to, and that is in itself, I think you you blended like coming from a sports world, gymnastics, then teaching it, then it like evolved into this. Now it's really your life. You're looking at like, how you move through your life. So like sports evolving into just how your awareness and and what you do in your life and um, how it blends with vocations and passions. And uh, I think I've I'm, I'm not sure where I stand on that in terms of like in my own life because I enjoy fitness and I hate the idea of being known as like, that's the only thing I do. Cause i'm not sure what it is that i do in that space like i feel like i'm more of a uh entertainer uh i like to teach and like help people understand an idea through some form of entertainment but um it's weird to think of like fitness some sort of passion for fitness like i don't necessarily have a passion for fitness i, I like being fit because i don't feel as bad. I feel better when I'm fit. I like playing. I like sports. Like I love playing tennis now. So I'd rather play more sports than I would work out or be in like a fitness context. And then there's like the association around the culture of fitness that it kind of irks me many times. (laughs) So I'm like, oh, just to even be involved in the fitness culture feels weird or to be known in it. And then I see like what you're doing. I'm like, oh, it seems like many people could think of Carl as being someone in fitness culture, but you've now gone in this different direction that has its influences from that world. But it's not, I don't see you as like living in the fitness world necessarily. It's more of like a self-performance and it's performance, but it's like a your own performance in everyday life independent of singular focus in fitness. Mhm. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's, yeah. it's interesting that you say that
0: because it's 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 been 8 years. It's been 8 years since I deliberately chose to move away from being in the fitness space. 8 years. Well. And and people still message me like you know, love that push-up progression. <laughs> you know, I'm just like, I, I'm so glad that that yeah, yeah. like part of my life did a thing. Um, and I've I've also wrestled uh, a lot with what you you just shared. Like, I the identification with a role is is really challenging. But the sooner you let go of it, it's like, oh, if you see me as a fitness guy, perfect. Yeah, I am. If you see me as the I don't know, like now I'm kind of like a sports agent type thing. You see me as a sport. I am. Yeah. Oh, a life coach. I am, you know, podcaster. I am. Yeah. Whatever. I'll be whatever you need me to be. Mm -hmm. There's, there's something very freeing about that. And I don't know if you wrestle with this as
1: well. I do. Yeah, I do. And I, the times where I've felt okay with it or the times where I've done that whole, yeah, whatever, dude, like. I just want to be effective. I, I just want to be effective and I I want to get through to you and I'll be that guy in your world because I'm probably thousands of variations of me in all different kinds of people that would interact with me in some fashion, especially now with social media, you know, you have whatever a following. And um, I'm certainly different variations to all these people, but my mind gets stuck on this identification with and it's funny how it goes to like the worst of the worst like i found this guy who has this business that really got me thinking like this is so cool this guy does um i forget the name of it but anyways he he does an online training business and it's just like a bunch of normal looking people and i'm like i fucking love this everyone looks fit enough you know and some people maybe maybe they're not like the fittest looking, right? But he focuses on like the psychology of training, the psychology, which is like always what it comes down to. Like being able to stick stick with it, doing things that like starting at the minimum viable, whatever you can do. And, and I thought, you know, why don't I think of comparing myself more to this, or if I'm in the fitness field or someone wants to think of me as, as a fitness person, yeah, I do stuff like this, you know, I like transform your psychology and your idea of what's possible and, and understanding that because that's kind of what I love to do is to help my clients understand like, look, you don't need to do all this crazy. Sh-. Like you could do what works for you and we're going to do what works and it doesn't need to be complicated and it's going to be simple and most of what we do is always like a, a therapy session anyways. Mm-hmm. So why don't I compare myself to that? that side of fitness, but for some reason, I, you know, you think of like the, the, the the most cringeworthy fitness trends. That's where my mind goes. I'm like, oh man, the fitness industry. And it's like, oh, there's also a lot of people doing really great things. And if you want to call me that cool, I'll compare myself to the ones doing great things there. Mm -hmm. Totally. I love
0: it. Okay. So now what we're going into is, uh, I think we've just found the, the core of, what we can offer through this little conversation we're having, which is our own take on being effective. So I'm just going to share my opinion on this. I I think being effective is um, when you can be in the moment, notice or ask for what being effective looks like, taking on the role, becoming that, and then um, uh, expressing that role with an end, with an with like a finish. Do you have an, a, t- a take on what being effective? Is? We can even look up the the definition. But what's your what's your take on being effective?
1: Being effective is transforming yourself as needed to bring someone to an understanding that you seek them to understand and uh, yeah, getting rid of an idea of yourself in order to deliver um, a message that is received as you hope it to be received. Mm. And I think it's just purely in like the context of what my own experiences have been at a seminar. Where I'm in a room with like these blue collar workers, you know, working long, hard jobs. And I used to go in there with like a man bun and, you know, I got my funny looking tattoo. And these people are like, what the hell is going on here with this guy? You know, like I don't fit in. But for me, it was like, I I need to find common ground with these people. And the easiest way I know how to do that with any group of people is through humor.
0: Yes.
1: If I make them laugh, I can be effective. Mm-hmm. And you break the ice with some humor, self deprecate a little bit if you got to. And suddenly, you know, you're bonding over everyday things and you're helping some guy. Oh, you know, my daughter, do- hey, by the way, my daughter, you know, you might be teaching a hip hinge, but it's like, he's like, hey, my daughter is trying out for the soccer team. you have any ideas for me? And it's like, you know, yeah, we don't have a similar life, but there's common ground here where I can now be effective. And you can learn what I need to teach here, and you're going to leave feeling better off in your life, and so am I. Uh, definition of effective:
0: successful in producing a desired or intended result, fulfilling a specific function. In fact, though not formally acknowledged as such. Okay, so that's the that's the definition. But you you brought out some really powerful things. It's That being effective is helping people get the needs that they have in that moment met. It's like you're going in for a training talking about hip hinging and picking up heavy loads or odd objects. And they're like, yo, uh, you know something about training? My daughter, (laughs) she's trying out for the thing. How does she get access to that? Like that's what's important to them and i think identifying what's important to people is is so powerful and uh i think as a creative like you are and, and you really are an artist using humor levels levels things like we can all laugh uh at things and i i think being able to do that is is extremely powerful do you have any any, uh, any things that you deliberately do to be funny, or is it just instinctual?
1: I think a lot of it's instinctual, and I I grew up in this a household where my dad was constantly making fun of things, and he still does. And we would just watch something, and he would just like say ten different things about the person. Like he would just make fun of things, you know. And I, <laughs> and it was always just like humor and watching, just watching things that were. That gotta laugh, and and going back to this idea, like the you were bringing up, like uh, or that you talked about, where it's like the the guy whose daughter is trying out for a soccer team, whatever it is. It's interesting how there's this idea of like having to stick to this, like the plan. You know, people are like, oh, they'll go away from that and be like, oh, I gotta, no, no, we had to stay on topic. It's like, no, 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 you should go towards that thing. Like if this guy's asking about and it has nothing to do with what you're trying to teach at that seminar, for me that was always like this is how I know I was productive or I was effective. This is how I know I was effective, because when that guy leaves, there's a better chance that he remembers the program, and then he can t- he might not remember jack shit about what we talked that day, but he's gonna remember the program and and he's gonna remember me, and then he's gonna maybe inquire talk to other people and now we can have like this network effect where the people who need to see it will eventually see it and it'll be have a better chance of spreading it's like this thing pops up and it's like that's the thing you have to feed it wasn't this script that you have like oh we have to go according to plans and it's funny because i i i think in the beginning i remember like you see other coaches and and you're I think I was lucky to come in from a very different perspective, not having been a coach and formalized in a process of like, well, you got to stick to the beat and the cadence of the thing. I was able to like break it up a little bit and just kind of go with the things that would spring up and then use that as the like, Hey, let's talk about your daughter. And then, Hey, do you mind if I, do you mind if I talk about this to the group? Cause I think it's a great way to bring this all together that's when I know I've been effective. Because mm-hmm. you, you you don't and it just it it works and it clicks. And I think some of that's innate. Um, And I think some of it was learned for sure. Like I just my mom was my mom was such like a empathetic person, such a great listener. And I think a lot of this comes from just listening like you have to be uh, being effective means you listen like you know what people are looking for. And if you might, like, if it's going to push you off of, like, your course that you thought you were going to follow, you still, you're able to drop that and say, okay, this is the new course, and this is what's going to get the message, like, this is going to get the message home, let's let's go this way, and let's see what happens. I I think that gets you closer to being effective than just trying to, like, you have an idea of how things should go, the universe puts a whole different thing in your path and it's like here it is man it's like this guy just randomly brought this thing up it's a 10 second conversation here that just started like turn it into a minute whatever go with it um and yeah at home it was a lot of uh empathy and a lot of understanding and seeing one side my dad really like a lot of comedy humor a lot of it making fun of other people and then being like man this is brutal you know and then other side was like a very empathetic and not saying my dad's a sweetheart. And, but my mom was also like this, just very empathetic. Like, Oh, you know, like, you don't want to talk trash about people. I was like, my dad's trashing people left and right. And I'm like, and it's like hilarious. He's like roasting people, you know? And I'm like, Oh, this is, that's his love language. That's his love language. So I, I, I empathize with roasting and it's the one thing that I, I like, I want to do more of, but uh it also i feel like it gets me into a lot of like the stickier side of things online you know people like message or comment and then it it's hard for me i have a lot of this side of my mom where i'm like man am i being an asshole mm-hmm. and i i I grapple with that part a lot more than i do like because i get a little rise and i get the kick and it's fun and it's fun to, it's fun for me and i laugh And then, but it's other side of me is like, damn man, like, okay, how are you making people feel? And it's it's hard to you know do both those things. The best roasters aren't they don't give a shit about how anyone feels, and it's they're amazing. Um, You know, they give a shit about being funny, being effective, making people laugh. So I think it's a little blend of uh, those things. I think what I'll do is like, I know self-deprecation is always the easiest one. So if if there's something I know that maybe I showed up a little bit late or there's something that I can talk to myself that helps bring, because they're looking at me and I establish the, like, this is who I am. This is what we're going to do today. When you establish that level of like um, organization for the group, then you, you take on a leadership role and people will look at you as like, you know, at first I didn't do that. And then you you don't have control of the room. So I established like this leadership role in the room by saying, here's where we're going. Here's how, what you're going to get out of it. Here's what I'm going to get out of it. Here's when we're going to all get out of it together. And uh, here's the plan and we're going to have a good time. And then after that, it's like, okay, kicking a little bit of humor Um, in the presentation, like I always do like a short presentation, but like a lot of imagery and something that can be like, funny something that can get a laugh somewhere like surprise you know the element Mm -hmm. of surprise is what people love that stuff it's like you're telling a story so you want like yeah you want some humor in the story and
0: uh i mean that's that's where i thrive and i i spent so much time thinking about this while doing seminars you know uh for me i i would always just laugh i'm like 50 fools just signed up for my seminar not knowing, you know, that I'm just making this shit up. This is hilarious. Um, but at the same time, like, I know I I have something to to add to their lives and can give them value, but I, I, I can't lie to them. So I'm going to have to tell them the truth, like, right off the bat. Like, hey, everybody, just so you know, I'm just a dude trying to figure it out just like you. And everybody's like, okay, that's cute. Now tell us the thing. I'm like, okay, but the truth is – I know some things, but you know much more than I do. So let's just be clear as to what is happening here. And I think when you do that for people, you, you make them not only trust you, but they're like, wait a second. This is very empowering. And when somebody becomes empowered, uh, they are assuming a role that they are the students the audience the whatever you're assuming the role of teacher uh, leader whatever and now we're just going to play this game and just by agreeing having an agreement that we're going to do this uh makes one effective i've found and um let's see if this this rings true with you and see how how you've navigated this but uh i would always ask people like why are you here Like. Did did somebody make you come here? Do you, is this something that you, you, you're hoping to get out of this? Like what's, what's the deal when people tell you their motives or why they're in a place, uh, playing to that now allows you to, to find out what their needs are, uh, find out what they care about and makes, create something. You basically can create a piece of art out of, uh, you know, very rudimentary things like hip hinging and um, squatting and pushing and pulling. It's cool. Um, I assume the people that you have also been in seminars with are like, they have to go to this training. So they're like, you're forced to do this thing. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with, uh, uh, what do you call that? Uh, Well, Force compliance.
1: Yeah, I bring it up and I'll say, well, I'm sure a lot of you here have been voluntold to be here. So you know, let's, (laughs) and I think you, you brought up a great point. It's like identifying what everyone's roles are in the room and then what their needs are. So in my case, I'm, you know, people have different roles and whether they work in safety or they're a frontline associate and they're told, Hey, you need to be here at this thing because, you know, you are, you, you, you need to be part of this, whatever. Most of the time we try to pre vet. So we, And it doesn't always work out this way. It's great when it does, but we tell them, hey, here are the kinds of people that would, this would be most effective for them. You know, if they're really into safety and maybe they're not a manager yet, but they are on a track or they're just one of those people who's like all about it and they want to see their team members succeed, that's probably a good person to have in the room. The person who's like, you know, not about it, halfway out the door, you don't want to like waste your time and money Bringing that person into the room, so that does help um, because yeah, a lot of these people are volunteered to, and I, I think that's the also gives an exciting opportunity where you can really surprise those people. I have I have this advantage where it's a safety workshop, it's a safety seminar. Safety is boring. That's everyone has safety on the mind. It's safety is safe. It's not risky. It's not exciting. So if I can make this thing fun, a little bit more exciting than what they might think it's going to be, if it's going to be engaging, if it's going to have them talking and moving and doing the thing, I have a chance of success here. I have a chance Mm -hmm. to surprise them around this idea that they initially had. So it's great. Like, you you set the bar real low with the word safety and then now you know you can excel and you can <laughs> you can blow them away with oh yeah by the way this thing we're doing here hey you use this stuff all the time you want to go to the gym and get stronger boom use it there you want to go home pick up that bag of mulch you want to start the lawnmower you want to do all your yard work and not get jacked up and it's like all of a sudden the stories come out oh yeah i was picking up this thing and i my knee i tweaked my knee or i took that step up the attic and ah and it's like, okay, now we're having a, and I, and that's what I do. I'll be like, look, well, I'm the reason I love doing this is because you get to take this home with you. Like work is great. Hey, but you, you, ha, you have a life outside of work that you love and there's things you love to do outside of work that you live for. Let's focus on those things. Mm-hmm. So when we take it there, it's like, okay, even if you have a group that's been, had to volunteer to be there, you know, or was told to be there, um, it 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 gets around the um the 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 whole fact of like you know they weren't they weren't seeking this thing out. Yeah, safety is definitely
0: boring, uh, but uh, and needed. Uh, and I and I, I was just as you were talking, I was thinking about a million ideas of how to make you know something funny, physical, like using physical comedy. Uh, do you use physical comedy in in these uh these sessions? Well, Chris yeah.
1: would tell you so because, like, we did this one seminar where Chris and I was like two of us, and we were <laughs> we had to coach like eighty <laughs> linemen or so, like uh, like linemen as in like uh, yeah, like they're
0: working a factory line.
1: No, 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 like in like uh, electrical poles. Oh, like, like yeah, the linemen, like linemen like that. Okay, yeah, yeah, like they like climb poles with like those shoes with the spikes, and like they're oh, like God. you know electricians and all this. And these are like, and this is like in Minnesota, these are like some tough dudes, you know, and it's a group of like guys who are just like beard, heavily bearded. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they all look bigger and like a lot of them are bigger and stronger than Chris and I. And even uh, our main point of contact. This guy used to be like a, a like a legit lineman in in like college football and everything. But he loved the program. He got
0: yeah. It. Because b- when you said lineman, I was thinking oh like a lineman like football. And then I was like yeah. oh maybe it's like line worker. No, it's line men. Okay, that's crazy. Yeah. Okay, okay, these and guys. That, I got I got the picture. Them, yeah.
1: And so uh, yeah, they work for one of these um, uh, utility companies and uh we're in this room and it's like we tell them hey usually we tell the clients hey look it's one coach for every like 15 to 16 associates like if you want effective training where that coach can you know be involved with everyone and coach and cue and like physically cue and do all these things it's more ideal if we do it that way um but they they were like we're gonna like hey surprise here's 80 people for you and that's we had this big conference room and um and then just, I'm out there. I'm out there, kind of showing, like, you know, how the muscles in the legs stabilize the knee. So I'm in this like lunge position, and I'm like wobbling back and forth with my leg, like my knee. Like I'm like, you know, and then I'm trying to show like glute engagement, hip engagement, how you kind of like can can like help lock things in and and stabilize your knee. And uh, and I, and I remember I had like two cups of coffee. I was just like, and I, I if I have half a cup of coffee. I won't sleep that night. And I had like two cups of coffee and I'm just like talking a million miles an hour. And I can feel it. I'm like, oh shit, I'm going a little too fast. And I'm doing this demonstration and I'm like wobbling. I'm like on a I'm like, look, I'm like on a tightrope, you know? Like if you're on a tightrope, and I was wobbling back and forth. And then after Chris goes, <laughs> he goes, dude chill out <laughs> he's like he's like man you were wobbling he's like bro i wanted to laugh so hard and i'm in the it's like 80 guys just surrounding me in like this conference room in a marriott and then chris is like dude you look crazy out there he's like <laughs> slow down and uh and yeah so that was my physical comedy you know but yeah i'll do i'll i'll try to like the kind of uh it feels natural to me, but I, I use a lot of gestures. Like I'm very like physical and I don't recognize it. I, I think it helps. though. I think people, you're, you're moving, you're a moving target. Like people are like, what's going on with, you know, what's this guy up to? Um, so I think some of that, I don't know if it's physical comedy, but that moment was for sure. But there's certainly times where I, I try to exaggerate something. Um, and it definitely, it definitely helps get the message. It's like you're bringing energy. People want to see energy. Uh, we went to one client, and we were part of their safety day, and so I had a lot of exec supervisors. <laughs> safety day, yeah, yeah, right, <laughs> fun day. And oh, and shit. the guys delivering some some of this uh, material, like their own safety trainers. Man, and we were supposed to come out and wow this is like a big wow this big client, and this can be really monumental for us to get a pilot with them, and it, and it ended up working out. Um. And I remember watching them present and it was Chris and I, we were, you know, it was us together doing this. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, we're going to smash this. These guys are so boring that we're going to come in with the energy we always bring and we're going to blow it out of the water. And sure enough, at the end of the seminar, we had like two or three of their trainers walking up to us and saying, Hey, like you guys put on a hell of a seminar. Like, wow, that was great. That was like, so good. One guy's like, are you guys hiring? Like they were so impressed by the way we delivered it. And it's really like you bring the energy. You are there because you care about the people. You're trying to find the common ground. And people feel that and they respect it. And they respect it when you're up there and you have that real confidence, right? It's not like a made up, put on confidence. Like you go out there and like you care and you have energy. People recognize. And I think that's a physical that physical comedy, physical performance that, that shines through that people and it, it shows, and a lot Mm -hmm. of people don't have that experience, which is surprising. Yeah. Like, man, a lot of people just go to very boring meetings, boring seminars. The people are uninspired. And I think I'm lucky enough to have material that I believe in and that I know is, is valuable. But I think anything, uh, any kind of present- presentation can use a little bit of that physical, and We're be- you know, we're human beings. We're moving beings and if you come out flat and boring, you don't get them right away, it's going to be hard to get them back. It, the best is when you start getting tired and
0: uh, like this like, you know, irrational side of you starts to come up what I, what I love to do is that when 50 people are like focused on this thing, if let's say you were wobbling in the middle of the room and just like speaking way too fast, I would start to laugh out loud and I would allow it to become a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's, it's the best. It it just, it, 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 it's, it redirects the focus. Yep. And, and the reason I bring this up is because I think, uh, to be an effective communicator, to be an effective teacher, you need to entertain people. You need to hold their focus. And uh, to be able to do that is a hard thing, especially when you're talking about boring subjects or scary subjects. I mean, that's why airlines invest so much money in their uh, safety videos. You know, yeah, they're trying desperately to get people to listen. Uh, And I think Southwest, I I think they do a great job with their allowing their flight attendants to be entertaining in their announcements, Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, you just want to convey the message. If you can get the message across, uh, now you're being effective. And I just think that those who are effective are also
1: happy. I I mean, I personally agree. When I when I feel that it's like it's the there's a lot of contentment there there's a a satisfaction that is unmatched and uh yeah it's it's important to be effective if Mm -hmm. you want happiness i think because i I think yeah there's like this idea of like a ram das or something like that right like where these are i think really special people and and they're they certainly have very good lessons and i think they're also outliers and many of us derive like this satisfaction happiness and could be from knowing that we're effective that we're helping someone else and uh maybe it's the nature of nature knowing that you kept you keep moving something along mm-hmm. for for someone else and yeah yeah it's funny how you brought up the the laughing cuz that's what that'll happen too it's just like we'll just start laughing at each other you know and it, <laughs> and, and and people see that and they feel comfortable they're like there's there's that confidence again there's something about holding the attention and people laugh and they and if they see you laughing then it opens it up for them to laugh yeah
0: you know it's it's funny i uh chris will tell you this we were on one of our trips together and i I was just so tired i just wanted to get get home and i remember right before starting the seminar everybody is pumped we're ready to go and i look at him i'm like can't wait to get out of here (laughs) (laughs) looks at me like what i'm here like shadowing you trying to learn from you, <laughs> and, you're just you oh,
1: okay.
0: and i just remember laughing you know just saying i can't wait to get out of here but then i go up on stage you know i'm just like let's go this is gonna be great and and uh both of those things can be true You know, like, I really can't wait to get out of here. This is, this sucks. At the same time, I love being here. Thank you for having me. Let's do this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Yeah, there's, and that's, I think it's important when you're working with people too, to be able to, the thing that's in the air, you can speak to it and say, we're still going to do this. We're still going to kill it. I've mm -hmm. had so many of those moments with Chris, where we've had, you know, like some trips are crazy. You have like four days in a row or, you know, and you're just, we had one trip that was like, we had weird times we we're doing like two a days and you had one at like 10 o'clock at night to cover the night shift and and you're just you're just drained and you're like i can't wait and you're in the middle of nowhere canada and you're like i can't wait to get fucking, i can't wait <laughs> to get Holy. home dude i'm so fucking tired but you you know you show up and you like you bring it you know for that time you bring it and and i think it's good because then otherwise everyone feels like they're crazy like wait should- <laughs> <laughs> <Not> <laughs> totally. Am I supposed to be okay with this? Yeah. Totally. It's got like I can't wait to talk to you about
0: squatting and picking something <laughs> up. It's like it's <laughs> gonna be so cool. It's gonna be amazing. Um, but I think when you can make the most mundane, simple things special, life becomes special. And I I think we're all meaning-making machines and uh I don't think everything has to make sense but when when you can in retrospect kind of look back and be like oh that safety course I took or whatever that was pretty cool you know mm-hmm. like that was funny that dude Nelson I was like cracking up I was engaged <laughs> I can't rem- I can't remember anything about the techniques <laughs> but man the experience was wonderful it was memorable <laughs> and uh I think that's that's a big indicator of of being memorable um, which, which kind of leads me now to this, this idea of, um, uh, in, in, in being effective uh, or being productive, everybody w- wants to perform better, right? It's kind of like, Oh, I, I, I give me the secret sauce, the rules, the, 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 the things that I should do, the methods you have the daily practice, your, your podcast. Is there anything that you've learned in talking to people who claim to know something, and you've included me three times or two times or whatever, uh, and, and <laughs> there I was uh, sharing my wisdom. Is there anything you've learned that you've found to be true in your life and that now is a non-negotiable?
1: The Something physical has to be there there has to be some sort of physical movement every day and I notice it builds up. Uh, I have to, I have to keep the momentum. So I have to, I, I have a rower thanks to one of Chris's clients, Brad, appreciate you. If you listen to this, um, gifted me a rower and I have it in my apartment. And if I, if I can't get out of here and I can at least do 30 minutes of that thing, 20 minutes, It makes a difference. And just having something physical, like going for a walk, something physical is a non-negotiable in my life. I don't think it has to be every day for everyone. I've noticed for me, it does make a difference. Mm -hmm. If I go a day without it, I can get by, but I know I can. And then the next day, the effects are there. And it. I, I, I liken myself to a dog. That has to get the energy out it's just like i I don't know how else to make sense of it, but it's like if I don't get that energy out, I'm going to chew the couch. I'm gonna make a decision that is not the best one for me and um yeah that that was that's been a big one just from all the people that most of them have physical practices on the daily practice. Uh, that seems to be pretty consistent for them, but I've noticed too that that can be a, a source of like a, a place where you hide, uh, fitness and being physical, and so it's 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 getting something physical in, and trying to make it more of a playful thing if I can. So I'm trying to play more tennis. Like I recently picked up tennis because games are something that I think I want I need. I need more of in my life. I like, I know it like games are. there's something to games that you don't get from squatting. Um, and then another non-negotiable is I got to see friends or family, um, at least once a week, like family, once a week, because I can get so wrapped up in trying to get things done or figure something out or learning something that I'll neglect family and friend relationships. And, uh, and that that I really feel that that then everything else doesn't quite click as well. Mm -hmm. So those are two, I think the two strongest non negotiables for me right now.
0: Okay, so uh, physical activity, the games are included in the physical.
1: That's my ideal. I haven't been so great of making that the, excuse me making that the case, but it has to be something physical that is. If it's something solo, it's skill based, and something that I can I can focus on. Uh, the handstands were great for that. It just takes up so much goddamn time. And it's so yeah. boring. It's so boring. So boring. But uh it it's was so really cool.
0: Boring. Like I love I love handstands and I still practice them. It's yeah. so boring. Uh yeah. Uh, it's exciting. Yeah. It, and all of a sudden you're like standing there alone, man, I got three seconds. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, yeah. You're like <laughs> So that's where that's where I think games are preferred. Or and, mm-hmm. and getting outside. So if I'm being more specific, like riding my bicycle feels good. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes, like, it's so hot here in Miami, like, oh, God, getting out there is, sounds like a drag. It feels like a drag. But getting outside, doing something, like, and I think if it's a game, that's, like, the best. It's, like, if you not, if there's, like, levels to this, it's, like, playing a game with someone is the best. Because mm-hmm. you can confront things, too. Like, I confront my competitive nature there. And it's, like, but I really, I want to, like, my favorite thing about tennis is being able to volley, like. Like have a good like bam 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 like back yeah, and that's forth, fun. you know, but if you're trying to win like you don't you're not gonna always have that. Well, but if you can, that, like... uh,
0: that's that's interesting because games being effective in a game uh, is different than being effective in a in playing.
1: Oh, you mean like trying to win versus trying to, to- like totally collaborate, you're playing trying the trying to... game
0: yeah. versus trying to win the game but you have to play the game to win the game. The, have you read
1: Homo Ludens? It's a very philosophical book, but... oh, I think I remember this being thrown around in the movement circles as like the book to read, but mm-hmm. I've never read it. It's intense, but uh, worth, worth a, a,
0: a read, definitely. I love this. And, and the reason I wanted to bring this, this idea up of like the, the game or the play is because you said two, but you mentioned three things. You mentioned physical activity, then you said a game thing or play thing. And then you said uh, scene family. And I'm wondering if play is actually the connector. Where it's like, if my physical has an element of play and my uh, relationships has an element of play, I feel the most fulfilled. And thus I can be the most effective in the rest of my expression.
1: Yeah. I've been thinking about this lately because when I play tennis with my girlfriend, I feel... It's incredible. I, I feel there's something right in the world, in my world. And I don't get that same excitement from squatting, but I love to do it. It gets me, I get stronger. I can see the changes. It's like, it's nice. But it's like, if I could, if I only had so much time, I would just spend my time playing tennis. All the, I was spend my time playing tennis with people. I would spend my time playing basketball, whatever it is. It would be a game that I wouldn't care about all the other stuff, but I still do. And I still don't have as many opportunities to go play tennis. So I'm trying to do that more, but I would just do that. Cause you, you, like you said, you get all these things that are so important and make us feel whole. You get to be with someone else. You get to, there's an, an aspect of competition and it's playful. The best is when you get that nice blend where you're both like going for it, but you can keep, You know, keep it up and then you're being physical you're moving your body so i love the game of tennis it's such a it's something where i see myself like man i want to be that old guy playing tennis every day yeah it's cool it's uh i mean the only reason i i got into tennis
0: is like 99 percent of uh people who care about it which was through uh the netflix docuseries uh uh, breaking point or break point. Oh break,
1: yeah. Yeah. Breaking
0: point. Maybe it is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, otherwise I, I know nothing about it and I'm a terrible player. Uh, but, but I, 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 I enjoy, I can appreciate it. Uh, there's something about, <laughs> this is, this is so, uh, silly, but I, as you're saying, like when you're playing, uh, tennis, just the, the urge to want to like get the ball and just to volley uh where you it's kind of like animal instinct you become like a dog you don't even know why but you're just like chasing this ball there's something really like primal about that that makes one feel alive and i don't know if you can really get it through squatting you know it's like (laughs) you can't wait to chase that bar you know like
1: but some people do I I i think some people do uh and yeah, psychopaths yeah, yeah for <laughs> sure they're typically yeah they are i mean when you see people lifting huge weights they're like man this is some psychopathic behavior but hey, <laughs> prop, props to them for you know accomplishing such crazy things but yeah i mean that's funny i keep i've been doing this program where i add five pounds or 10 pounds depending on the lift every set every like other session it's like a workout a, a workout b you do it every other day and i'm at a point where i'm like okay i'm like These weights are pretty heavy. Like, I don't know what else I get from adding another five every time. You know, like, it it definitely, (laughs) like, I feel like my body does most of what it needs to do. I'm not going to ever confront weights that are more than this. Um, Like, there's diminishing, the ROI is minuscule at this point. So I'm like, I think I've found, a, a. I think a lot of people keep chasing. It's interesting, like in fitness world, you keep chasing these numbers that are like, what do they mean at a certain point? It's like, dude, you're you're doing something that you'll never have to confront in your life. It's like, you're, you're gonna not going to move this weight and then do it like 10 times in a row or five times by five times. Like, it's great you're strong. If you have certain goals, I think it definitely helps as an athlete. But uh, I don't know, as you get older, I understand more so why people try to play more games, play tennis. They try to keep active in these ways because it just satisfies these core pieces to life where it's like you're the dog just chasing the ball and it just feels so good just to be alive in that way. Mm-hmm it's all yeah it's the best and and it's the
0: best to be lost in that too which is cool and i'm not saying that you can't get that with the bar and everybody who's like listening like well, what do you mean i love the bar and it's like that's that's my life yeah do it go crazy uh and you're not a psychopath you just you know have like mild mental illness it's it's, (laughs) and i'll I'll say i'll say
1: too like the and 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 i think a lot of people do it with other people and it makes it that much better it's like yeah when i'm when it's like chris and i and maybe some it's like that feels that feels so much better than doing that's it alone the and like you you're able to accomplish more things and you just you have this this community piece that is so awesome and i think that's why so many people gravitate to fitness and they talk about it and they share about it online because you're sharing this com- your your commonality with so many other people it's like your physicality which is the the thing you have you know and you can dictate where it goes And it's part of your health and um yeah it's it's one of those things where man so much better with like things are so much better with people totally i think anything
0: anything can be fun when you do it in good company and you you add an element of play
1: yeah when i look back at when i wasn't working very much i was barely making any money but i was I had this practice. I was like following the movement stuff and I was doing like 3 4 hours a day. But it was always with Chris and the other Nelson and our friend Kevin and like a group of us and we were just like always together in community trying to learn some sort of like new movement thing. Like how can I and... be like a lizard or something? Yeah, like, exactly. How yeah, can like... I do a lizard walk and how can I you know do whatever capoeira thing and let me let me
0: like imitate being fire or something
1: like, <laughs> yeah, you know exactly. like I, I, how can i be the flame how can i be a modern dancer and never actually be a modern dancer you know and totally it, it was those are great times at that That's time amazing. i felt this struggle of like my god i have no financial means this is crazy but but you, i'm the flame but i'm the flame man and to be the flame is life yes and uh, yes. And yeah, those those are good times. Like I look back and be like, hold, there's always a time you look you can look at and be like, those are good times. Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, you gotta you gotta enjoy it all.
0: How how far apart can I splay my toes? You know, like yeah, come yeah. On. shoes are the devil. Like, <laughs> oh man. I, I yeah. got like doubles players or whatever. <laughs> I can hang hang from a bar with my toes. <laughs>
1: can you do this oh man that shit just cracks me up oh dude it's the best those toes man (laughs) i think i have a buddy who was like he got big on instagram and he was selling those toe things you know and i think i did a video once like talking shit about the toe things and i was like man this guy's not gonna like it but it was so funny because i'd see chris with these toe things i'm like what are you doing with those to- bro your toes are gonna those are your toes dude i'm like your feet <laughs> maybe shoes made them tighter but those yeah. are your feet dude like your feet aren't gonna you know people have like narrow feet like there's that's their feet and they're like i think my feet are gonna it's like no dude <laughs> no. you know there's like some of these like movement influencers whose
0: whose big toe looks like a thumb already and like, develop into like, just, they're like straight
1: up eight. just picking up shit yeah yeah oh man dude it's funny because i have, next, I have a... next
0: thing we know you're gonna be flinging poo or, you know <laughs>
1: yeah yeah they put you in the zoo i had yeah. a i have a i have a crazy i have yeah. wide feet i have the toe splay i have you everything do, you just... do oh naturally dude this is like this is my genetics. And my friends would be like, How do you how'd you do that? You know, I'm like, oh, it's just my feet, dude. Like this is this is what they are. You're like, I've been trying Good to luck. wrap my feet like a geisha. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been trying to fit into these Nikes, dude. All I can wear is these ugly ass barefoot shoes.
0: Oh my goodness. Anyways, see this this is fun. This that's what I'm talking about. And and all of that that stuff, I think being able to make fun of the things that uh are really uh, fruitful and productive is, is great. Uh, you know, I remember when I met Ida Portal for the first time, uh, and the only time actually, because after that I was banned from every single <laughs> like <laughs> movement chip in oh the world. Oh my God, dude, I've, never uh, heard of that. I've never heard of that. Basically, it was like, I was like, fuck, this is so serious right now. Like, if I didn't catch a fish with my bare hands yesterday and like ate it, <laughs> like, starting with the eyeballs, I'm not gonna be welcomed in this conversation. I'm just yeah. like, I just don't belong here. Um. Anyways, I, that's what I was like. Oh yeah, I'm not in the movement culture. I'm like, I'm in the urban mo- <laughs> urban <laughs> mover or whatever. Like, I drive cars, you know, like whatever. Yeah.
1: Oh man, so it's, it's funny how like people get so like whatever you create you should like have people make fun of it like that i think that's like the sign of the confidence What it's like let the people and it, it happens with all kinds of like public figures all like delete comments and you hear about these things like people screenshot stuff like look at this guy deleted my comments it's like man like you're if you're gonna put stuff out there you have to be open to the scrutiny and, uh, and a lot of it's just like, it's funny, man. Like you, what, like you don't poke fun at other things. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah,
0: I mean, I, I listen to myself sometimes. I'm like, dude, you're ridiculous. You, you're oh just, yeah. You're just I mean, I'm chill. talking about myself.
1: Not, not, yeah. But I'll listen to my, I'll look, I'll listen to back to this and be like, Oh, fucking idiot.
0: <laughs> it's cool though. I mean, you anybody know? who's listened an hour and 51 minutes into this right now and, uh, like fully paying attention. Um, maybe, maybe there's something there that's, that's real. And, um, this, this is what I'm taking. Let's bring this to a a gentle close. This is what I'm taking away from this. I think having a open conversation is important. I think as somebody who cares about being significant in some way in this world, needs to be effective becoming effective requires you to embody whatever role you're in in this moment to embody whatever role that you are in within this moment requires awareness so having some practice around uh awareness is important and sometimes that is just time that uh gives you that experience and that ability uh you can also accelerate it by uh you know doing meditation breath work whatever it is that you do but like uh, the saying goes is like if you ask a guru uh, on uh, becoming enlightened and asking them how how long it will take you, they may say ten years. And if you say I'll double down, then they say, well, then it will take you twenty. You know, it's like you can you can't try harder to arrive at awareness. It's just something that has to come uh, over time. And uh, that humor and just realizing how silly everything is and how. Um. Although life is serious because it is it, life or death, um we're all gonna die anyway. So might as well like see the humor in it all and and just the silliness of of the things. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 funny.
1: Yeah, life is funny, man. And that's like I that's always been my north star. Is where's the funny in like the pain, the struggle. The good times, the bad times. Life's a funny thing. It doesn't make sense, and that's there's so much uh, so much fun to be had making fun of it and uh, enjoying enjoying that side of it.
0: Mm-hmm. For sure, for sure. Um, Nelson did did we talk about anything that you care about today?
1: <laughs> we just had a good old conversation like that's all i care about is um i hate having to watch my words and i like being thoughtful and uh being effective and i appreciate this conversation carl because we just get into i think what uh many people might be feeling or thinking about and it just uh one person can enjoy this, and I think that was effective to me.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I enjoyed it. So uh, if it's just me listening back during the editing, painful editing, uh, which I'm not going to do much of, um, it, it was it was great. Uh, let me just say this: uh, the first time I I met you, or actually uh, knew of you, was because you were doing some kind of collaboration with somebody. I think I can't remember where he lived, but he was an actor. Denver, Denver, yes. my lord. <clears throat> There you go. In New York. Mm-hmm. And I remember you caught my attention. It was probably around 2016, 2017 maybe, uh, 2018. Do you remember when it was?
1: Man, probably 2016 I think now because, yeah, 2016 probably. I was living in uh, Brooklyn.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I, I just remember seeing you and being like, oh, interesting. This dude is very thoughtful, well-articulated. Uh, I can't really put him in a box. Like, I I was like, is he a movement guy, like movement culture, Ido Portal, dude? What is he? I I couldn't put put my finger on you, and I liked that. And then um, we met in person, and I was like, oh, wait. Uh, You're not only all that which I saw but more, and you're extremely humble yet super talented, and then you continued to just express yourself online. I'm like, you can sing too? and you can do all these technical things uh, on top of being creative, I was just very impressed. And I've always admired you. And I, I hope that you know that you are a gift to this world. And I and I really mean it when I say it. And that every time I see you online, um, in any capacity, I, I take the time to kind of listen through and pay attention. Because I think your perspective on life, uh, although for you may seem normal, uh, I don't think it's part of the norm, and I would love to amplify that and see a little bit more of it, and um, I believe that the more of it we can have, I think the healthier we can be at every level, so just to know that you are a vehicle for that type of Human growth, and human development.
1: Thank you, Carl. That means a lot coming from you.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, you're loved, my friend, and uh, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. I I enjoy this time, and uh, I will cherish it for for uh,
1: a good while. Amigo, same here. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be on the Freestyle Way. There
0: you go, the podcast.
1: All right, let's end it. I'm just going to stop the recording. Bye.